Welcome to another episode of the Founder Fundamentals Podcast. My name is Rahul Kumar, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Travis Stanfield, co-founder and CEO of Stackwood. Thanks for joining us, Travis. Thank you, Rahul. It is a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate that you made time to listen about the story that we got at Stackwood and our venture. Absolutely. Super excited. So before we start diving into things, for those that may not know, what is Stackwood? Let's just start off there. Yeah, Stacklit is a commercial cloud governance platform which helps global 2000 companies manage their security, operations, visibility, cost optimization, policies in the cloud. Stacklit is built with an open core model around a popular open source project called Cloud Custodian. And the Stacklit team is the creative team behind Cloud Custodian. So A lot of the audience probably today knows what cloud is, but what exactly is cloud governance? Cloud governance, we define it through those kind of four pillars, right? Security is certainly a big part of it. So that's making certain, especially in the cloud, that things are properly configured. And then we also include operations as part of a good governance story because if you don't have things appropriately, let's say, tagged and managed, the sprawl will get to you over time in terms of everything that's available to you in the cloud and everything that may be in use. Certainly cost is part of the governance story, making certain that you're not wasting, quote unquote, money in terms of the resources that you may have provisioned in the cloud, but possibly aren't using or possibly have over-provisioned. There's certainly a big part of that story there. And then finally, just having visibility, better visibility. Cloud came up and emerged through developer technologies. So oftentimes developers have visibility through some low-level tooling, but getting high-order views and analytics is important to folks that are stakeholders at an organization. I think an example actually might be super helpful for some of the listeners here. So if we talk about you know a small to medium business that has set up its infrastructure on the cloud, let's just say they're using AWS on the back end, what does Stacklet actually allow them to do and what is the impact for a business? And to translate that, why should a business adopt Stacklet? So I would start off by describing a little bit about where we are in cloud, I would say, you know, there are a lot of very, very valuable things like cloud is a great place in terms of developer productivity, where the challenges start to occur is that decentralization becomes difficult to apply uniform standards, especially around governance, as we defined it in, you know, a few minutes ago in this conversation. So, If you have, let's say, security standards, you know, you could go around to all of your developers, make sure that they all know, but that's relatively point in time, right? The development force that you may be working with could change over time, right? And obviously the cloud, the pace of cloud innovation is going to change as well. So what you really need is this ability to, you know, keep up with the pace of innovation and do so in a way that's not interruptive in terms of the developer's ability to self-service. You want them to have access to all of the cloud things. You want them to be able to provision. You just don't want them to do that without proper application of your standards. So what we do as part of Stacklet is give the opportunity to declare these policies 
do so in such a way that's very, very approachable, human readable, fit to purpose, auditable, do that with inclusive of remediation so that if something does come up in your cloud environment that isn't compliant with your standards, you can actually gracefully course correct. So that's a big part of what we offer. And in terms of like the business and the business size, we tend to think that this challenge, so we know that the challenge faces all organizations. So it's not just a particular vertical. You know, we've seen folks and have, you know, traction from, you know, verticals like retail, pharmaceuticals, peer tech, fintech, manufacturing, you name it. We tend to think that the problem starts to occur once an organization gets to the scale of maybe a couple dozen developers. Once you get to that point, the infrastructure is unknowable and unmanageable, you know, call it in a traditional means. You need a tool like Stacklet in order to be able to keep up. How would you describe the state of the cloud governance market today and what are the fundamental drivers for this market? Yeah, good question. So if you're familiar with the Rogers curve, it attempts to lay out the way innovations progress through a market over time. So there's the innovators and the early adopters and then the early majority, and then you have late majority and laggards. I think we're starting to see the late majority move to the cloud today. And some of this movement is inertial and some of it is also situational due to COVID, right? There's an accelerated movement of the late majority to the cloud, and that's emphasizing the need for better cloud governance. So the demand for cloud computing drives the demand for cloud governance. And the key underlying motivation for moving to the cloud altogether is productivity, right? So cloud, as I mentioned, gives the developers, you know, this self-service on infrastructure, whereas in the traditional model or the prior world, infrastructure had to be provisioned manually. Hardware had to be physically acquired. Now developers can all do this themselves with a little bit of code, but you're back to this decentralized model that can be counterbalanced with the organization's best practices around security operations costs. So that's why you need that cloud governance, right, to follow you along in your cloud journey, right? It has to be there as well. And that's really the problem that that Stacklet is addressing. Out of pure curiosity for the verticals that you do serve today, which vertical have you noticed the greatest uh, acceleration and adoption in? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say we don't have maybe all the hard data, and it has also been very situational over the last couple of years. And what I mean by that is we definitely had some folks that were like in retail and uh, maybe some services type stuff that have been changed as part of, you know, the new normal that we are in with COVID. But, you know, where we see a lot of traction and have seen a lot of movement in the last couple of years has been fintech and pure tech. Right. So certainly there's, as you can appreciate, a lot of folks are more online these days and they're also making payments online and that sort of thing. So that's where I think the associativity is to the, the movement in fintech and pure tech. You started your career with Microsoft and then transitioned to director of tech at NIC, Global Parametrics, and then director of engineering at Capital One, where you met your co-founder, Kapil. What is the story behind how you two actually met at Capital One and what series of events actually led to you starting Stacklet at the end of the day? Yeah, so he probably, he, Kapil, my co-founder, probably doesn't actually remember the first time we met because it was a passing conversation in, in the hallway. 
And Kapil had actually predated my time at Capital One and was already famous there because of Cloud Custodian and how pervasive and effective it was inside Capital One. So the first time we met, technically, he was talking to a mutual friend, and I went up like a fanboy and said, oh, wow, you're Kapil, uh, the guy who's at the heart of how we work with cloud here. And, you know, he took it in stride. I, he gets that a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's, it always brings a little bit of a smile to both of our faces. So we actually got reintroduced a little while later by a mutual friend. We share a lot of interests and our professional backgrounds align really closely in terms of having both focused on enterprise software throughout our career. So in terms of the storyline, Kapil actually left Capital One at the end of 2018 and early 2019 and went to Amazon to work on their AWS Open team. He's been in open source software for 20 plus years and has seen it almost like a movement go from you know, somewhat fringe to very mainstream. He was very attached to the mission presented by that particular team at AWS because he wanted to get the largest cloud provider to be more prominent open source contributors and citizens. But while there, cloud custodian kept growing. It was a very large part of where he was spending a lot of his time. So he reached back out to me in the early part of 2020, and we decided to form Stacklet as the missing commercial entity around this very popular, very rapidly growing open source source project to continue its growth and to unlock value for enterprises which either are using or want to adopt the solution in their cloud. An interesting point. The business is actually based out of Arlington, not a traditional hotspot for tech. How and why did you decide in Arlington as opposed to being in one of the major technology hubs? And how much of a role did COVID play in that decision? So Stacklet is actually geographically dispersed and globally so. Uh, but you're correct that we do have a nexus of team members who are based in the Northern Virginia area, including Arlington, where Kapil lives. We actually think highly of the tech scene in that area when you consider all the cybersecurity technology produced in that region for the federal government. It becomes very notable in terms of the number of people in the area who are working actively in the tech industry. What COVID did is it emboldened us to build a remote workforce and remote workforce culture. So Kapil and I both have lots of experience working remotely and building remote teams. We also have a lot of people on our team with experience contributing to open source. So this permeates our culture because folks know how to work in a community and not just with the people sitting in the next cube. So we document things meticulously. We record video conversations and presentations. We have good culture on messaging apps like Slack. And what we now do is look for the best talent in the world wherever it lives, full stop. So we actually have team members in places like the Bay Area, Puget Sound, which you might consider more traditional tech hotspots, but also in, uh, like I said, globally geographic places like New Zealand and Spain. You previously mentioned that Stacklet was really the commercial solution to build on top of the work that Cloud Custodian had already been done and to further that mission. But who do you consider to be your competitors in this space? And why did you think you could go up against them and provide asymmetric value to build a truly scalable business in the domain? That is a question that we get asked quite a bit because there are certainly other solutions and vendors in this space. So we tend to think of this as we look at the landscape on a high level in about three different buckets. 
So the first bucket we refer to as the incumbents. And these tend to be companies that may have a cybersecurity focus or may come from a traditional cybersecurity type of vendor space. And we feel like a lot of the vendors in this bucket do take that traditional approach, either in terms of architectural choices or possibly even a softer focus on remediation. We make action a first-class citizen and we empower users to actually solve policy violations and do so in such a way that it can include an educational workflow so that the developers become more aware of the governance controls that an organization wants to enforce. A lot of times the tooling that we see elsewhere, it's more report only, so it becomes like a big wall of red. So the second bucket, we, so we, we feel like we're heavily differentiated for those reasons uh, against the incumbents. The second bucket we refer to as the startups. And these are companies that are relatively young, just like us. And we think a lot of them are doing great work. But because we've got this open source project that's been around for several years, few of the competitors in this bucket have the breadth of value that has already been unlocked by our open source or the proof of work from the usage of it over the last five to six years. So we feel like we're heavily differentiated from the startups that we see out there. And then kind of in the third bucket, we have the cloud providers themselves who often have equivalent or approximate solutions native to their cloud. We actually try not to compete directly with these solutions and take an integration approach. So we want to be the easiest ways for customers to take advantage of the innovations offered to them by the underlying cloud. To that end, Cloud Custodian has data and admin level integrations with AWS Security Hub and was a launch partner for that particular technology. We also integrate with Google Security Command Center, et cetera, et cetera. So we feel like we're you know, let's say, have this kind of strategy for the cloud provider technology that is a bit of a better together story. When starting the business, did you go through any additional validation efforts to make sure that what you were building was truly valuable? Or was that assumed to a very large extent, just given the nature of how you were building on top of Cloud Custodian? You got it. I mean, open source software is in itself a very strong indicator of product market fit. So certainly there's validation which can be gained by communicating with and staying active in the community. In the tech world today, it's more recognizable as a practice to have a commercial entity backing an open source project. And there's some common patterns which have emerged in terms of balancing commercial and community value. On the commercial side, we give customers operational efficiency through a platform that can manage the use of Cloud Custodian at scale. That's what Stacklet is. Cloud Custodian is a very powerful engine, but you need more than an engine to get where you're going. You need an automobile. Stacklet gets you where you're going fast. It accelerates customers that have hundreds or thousands of cloud accounts and need to manage that big picture. So as the creative team behind the open source, we can drive opinionated choices to customers that reflect our best practices and therefore decrease the time to value with the open source. Who was your first client? How did you land them? And my next question was going to be, how long did it take? But given your previous answer, I'm going to assume it wasn't long. Uh, well, I, you know, so we're still relatively early stage. We've signed up several design partners who recognize the value with working with us even at this early stage. So in some cases, to your uh, inference, we they were already using the open source software. In other cases, they attached to our understanding of the problem 
along with the approach that we were taking to the solution. So it did take us a few months to gain credibility and trust. And the way we've done that is through execution. We've executed in the open source for years, and now they're seeing us execute as part of Stacklet. They are able to influence our roadmap, and we're helping to get a platform into their environment, which can solve both their immediate and longer term cloud governance needs. So, you know, in terms of who they are, we've got some confidentiality arrangements with them right now. But if you look at one of our recent press releases, one of our design partners, FICO, made a quote or a statement on our behalf. So. Something very useful for the listeners would be, especially ones that want to get into the enterprise software space. When you think about two co-founders leaving a company that they were at previously and saying like, hey, we're going to start this commercial enterprise today. Between the time that you started the company and the time that you actually landed your first client, what did that time look like? Or did you already have the client before you decided to actually go you know, commercialize the entity? No, we did not have clients when we began. And it did take some time because we were just two people. And the time was spent more in making certain that strategically we were approaching the commercial endeavor correctly. And what I mean by that is uh, certainly for two people and, you know, we had the, the benefit of the open source, there could have been the tendency to maybe do some professional services, but we felt strongly and passionately that there was an opportunity for a platform solution here. And that's really what we decided to drive towards. So the duration was about making certain that our foundation was in play for the future and not just, let's say, trying to survive. What are the most important metrics for a company like Stacklet? How do you measure success? So right now, feedback on the product is the most important thing to us. So getting the product into the hands of customers, making certain that we are understanding how they're using it, how they're not using it, what they say, what they do, let's say when we're not looking, that's an important part. So having some visualization around that and understanding around that is important, certainly we also track the growth of the open source, right? That's important to us and something that we want to continue to maintain and be vibrant as we go forward. So we want to build the business, but we also want to grow the community. So we're a little bit dual missioned in that regard and having metrics around, you know, is the community growing? Why do we feel that way? Who are uh, the folks in the community? How are they contributing? All of those things are very important to us. In addition to, as mentioned previously, all of the feedback that we are gaining and then funneling into our product roadmap and our product delivery. And what is the greatest challenge that you face so far with running the business at an early stage? The biggest challenge that we faced at the early stage, I think certainly, you know, just kind of getting that initial credibility, right? We are, as mentioned, playing in the enterprise space. We're playing with, you know, a lot of other folks that, that I mentioned in terms of the competitive differentiation. And it was just about getting off that ground, right? And certainly having some investment helped us in that aim. And it was an important part of the story there. So let's talk about the vision. What is the future for Stacklet? The vision of where you see this company five to seven years down the line? What does that look like? 
Yeah. So our mission is to help organizations be well managed in the cloud. So we five to seven years down the road would have this trusted enduring company. Right. And you think about why that evolution happens. Well, if we're able to keep you secure, if we're able to help you see better in terms of your cloud asset visibility, we're helping you organize, we're helping you save money. You're going to trust us to know the right way to automate those things on your behalf. So we continue the value delivery through the knowledge that we pick up, the insights that we gain. And as mentioned, since we make action and a remediation of first-class citizen, our path to automation in a long time frame uh, becomes clear and becomes you know, very knowable. We can mitigate the risks that perhaps other folks are either shy of taking or don't have as much data around as we have and will continue to build. So we're really going to be this trusted entity that you turn to to really help you understand the best way to, like I said, be well-managed and secure and cost-effective in the cloud. You recently closed your Series A. Congratulations on that. Walk us through your experience of raising capital in this space. Thank you very much. And it was a decision that we went back and forth on a great deal. So the conceptual level part of the decision process was just knowing that access to capital is an important way to de-risk a business. And then you couple that with let's say what we saw as signal right now, the industry, the tech industry, the sector, cloud computing, and the category that we are in are all very hot right now. So the access to capital is there today. We also live in a world where the macroeconomic conditions have proven to be very uncertain in recent times. So it's unclear what the access to capital look like in the immediate future. And look, that that risk is certainly there to some extent for anybody at any time. But boy, look at the year that we just you know got through and it seems a little bit more pronounced. So we felt the timing was right, that we had this opportunity right now to de-risk our business, to continue the growth that we already have available to us. We also have great partnerships with great investors who really believe in us. So it was a fit all the way around, but obviously a difficult decision. And last question, three pieces of advice for new entrepreneurs. Yeah, and this I would be a little cautious and and hopefully not to call it like dime store in terms of my advice. But the first thing that I would say is get help. So some of the things that we did, there's a lot of great content out at the Y Combinator Startup School that we kind of uh, self-taught on. You know, we certainly went into our current like professional network to reach out to folks that, you know, may have been in a founding journey, right, have done some startups. We spent a lot of time talking to them. We also got networked to others. And what I learned is you can't be shy about that as a founder. A lot of folks that have gone through a venture are very, very willing to pay it forward. So even though you may think of somebody as a, you know, a stranger that might be unapproachable, you'd be surprised perhaps if, you, you know, you get the right introduction or make the right outreach of their interest in perhaps helping you. So getting help and just being very, very, you know, diligent about trying to find help was probably number one. The second thing I would say is be patient. 
try not to take it personal at the highs or the lows, you know, so when you're doing great, don't, you know, t- uh, pat yourself too hard on the back. And when things are, uh, are really, really down or you get, let's say, frustrated in the moment, just know that that will also even out as well or, or have patience that it will even out. And then the last thing, last but not least, is focus. So one of our investors has a saying, you know, he likes to keep the main thing the main thing. And that has become a motto at Stacklet. So we make certain that everybody that's working at Stacklet understands that the main thing is the product. And we want to focus on that in terms of being very crisp. That was Travis Stanfield, co-founder and CEO of Stacklet. Travis, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Rahul. It was my pleasure and I really enjoyed this conversation. 